Thanks, Joy, uh, for bringing us that reading. It'd be great to keep that open if you can. That's where we're going to be doing our uh, work tonight. So it'd be great to keep that uh, before you. Let me pray for us and ask God's help on, uh, on this topic uh, tonight. Let me pray. Father, please help us tonight uh, to have our eyes and ears attentive to you. I pray, Father, that you would help us to have insight into our own lives and that in so doing, Father, we might find your presence with us and your peace. And I ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, has anyone recently seen this time on their clock? Uh, and I'm not suggesting in the afternoon before you make a cup of tea, uh, but looking something like this. Some of you have? Yes. Um, it's not a pleasant time, is it? It's not the time that you want to be looking at your watch, unless, of course, uh, some seated here might be returning from a night out. Is that right, guys, uh, at roughly that time? Um, that, I, I, I'm not quite doing that. If I'm seeing it, it's because I'm waking up generally. Uh, we see times like this when there's stuff happening in our lives, when there is a burden on us that shakes us out of our sleep or maybe you haven't even found sleep by that time and you're still looking at the clock and that's why you see it but it's a profound state of disquiet of things in the world not being right in general is the reason that we see uh, a time like that and I'm going to guess at least most of us at some point if not recently have seen a time like that on the clock and the reason will be generally because we're anxious anxious about something Something in our personal life, something in our work life, uh, something in our family life around us. And tonight, that's where we're going to go. And I, I hope it will be relevant because I think all of us, it touches at some point. But as we look at being anxious, I want to make a distinction between anxious and anxiety. And anxiety is something different. Uh, anxiety is the runaway thought train. It's the racing heart. It's the inability to function normally because we are gripped by fear. That anxiety is actually a different thing. And where that happens, there's actually help for us. Uh, which is not to say that tonight shouldn't be helpful for you, but there is a bigger thing at work. And we would encourage you to check out places like Beyond Blue, which I found has some really excellent information on this and uh, a, a website like Headspace as well, where you can find out more about anxiety. Tonight, I want us to speak to this topic, but I also want to acknowledge that there's a bigger thing uh, going on potentially uh, as well. Why do we need to worry about anxiety? Well, if we open our Bibles and look just before where Joy read for us uh, in Philippians chapter 4, uh, in, in last week's sermon, Jeff brought us some great encouragement about having a new ambition and we landed on the idea that we're called to stand firm. Uh, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And I, I think it's worth saying tonight that anxiety shakes and causes us to wobble, doesn't it? So if the call is to stand firm, it's anxiety profoundly that can shake us up and cause us to think, am I going to be able to continue to stand and I want to tell you tonight, particularly in light of the reading that was brought to us by Darren from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, that God cares. 
God cares about your anxiety. He cares about the things that are burdening you. God cares. He's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort in that passage. What a beautiful name for our God. He cares, and I want to see tonight, as we look at the rest of this passage, that he has a pathway to peace, a pathway to peace for us. And tonight's going to be a little bit unusual. Um, It's going to be eminently practical. So I don't know what you're expecting when you came tonight. Possibly you're expecting to come and just go, great, just buckle in for the sermon. We'll get there. It'll be done. Tonight, I want to tell you, we're not doing that. So I want you to get your pens out. And I'm going to ask Jeff and Kathy, if you can help me, um, to deliver this to you. I'd certainly like all the adults to have one of these. Uh, Kids, if you're interested... Maybe you might want to uh, have one as well, but we'll make sure the adults get one first. Uh, Basically, what I have for you is a worksheet. Uh, We're going to work through the passage tonight, but I want to workshop it with you. I actually don't want to just say to you, here's the truth. I want you to hear the truth, and I want you to begin to apply it in our sermon tonight. Are you up for something different? That's the overwhelming sort of thrust of energy I'm looking for tonight. Fantastic. Uh, so, we're going to have a look tonight at, uh, at this passage, uh, verses 2 to, uh, two to 9, uh, through this pathway of peace. We're going to talk about reconciliation, rejoicing, requests, and realignment. Now, uh, hopefully there's a pen somewhere near you. Does anyone need a pen who doesn't have one? Raise your hand if you don't have one. That's good. Don't worry, your time doesn't start now, but mine has already started, so that's good. Uh, let's, uh, let's dive in. Uh, let's dive in. So the first thing that we're going to see is something profoundly personal is going on in this letter to the Philippians. Have a look with me at Philippians chapter 4 and verses 2 to 3. Uh, in it we see, Paul says, I plead with you, Odia. And I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Paul is writing to this church, and he calls out two women to be reconciled. He has reconciliation on his mind. These two women are otherwise unknown in the scriptures. They're they're mentioned by name here, but nowhere else. And they're mentioned in a particularly loving way. They're urged to have the same mind in the Lord. Have a look back with me, flip a page, to uh, Philippians chapter 2. And we can see in uh, chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul is speaking about the unity the church should have. He says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of the same mind. See, Paul said, actually, church, you have a common spirit. You should have a common mind. And when he writes to Euodia and Syntyche, he's saying, I would love these women to find this common mind again, to be together in uh, in this same way. But I want you to see how precious they are to him. I love that these, uh, these women are called co-workers. Uh, we see that there. And that wonderfully, their names are written where? In the book of life. What does that mean? It's not a uh, street directory in Philippi. It's the heavenly account of those who will be saved on the last day. And so he's writing to dear sisters and he's saying, I want you 
to be right together. He's encouraging them to put the priority on reconciliation. And so we're going to have a look at this first section here on your sheet under reconciliation, and we're going to dive in. And uh, what, I want to, what I want to do, uh, the way this works is uh, if you choose to engage, this will be helpful. Uh, if you choose not to, uh, I'm sure it'll just wash over you. Is it possible that even tonight uh, in our fellowship, there's someone that you're not right with? There's someone that you're not right with. Is there someone in the wider Christian community that you're not right with? Is there someone within your family that you're not right with? Once we start thinking like this, I'm sure that we can think of someone. And so I'd encourage you, I'm going to work along with you, why don't we start by writing down a name of someone who if that's the case, and it may not be, so I'm not going to force you to if you don't have someone in that, in, that, in that position, but write down the name of someone that you're not right with at the moment. The encouragement from Jesus uh, in Matthew 5 is that this is an important matter. We, we must prioritize getting right. He actually goes so far as to say, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So I want to encourage you, something important is at stake here. And we need to be working towards reconciliation and unity. Regrettably, all of those steps aren't easy, are they? In fact, they're very difficult and burdensome. And so what I want you to be able to acknowledge is, uh, can we say, I've taken steps too. I've taken steps too, and maybe you're able to say here that you've made some attempt to move towards reconciliation. You may have to say here, you haven't taken steps yet. And the encouragement from Scripture would be this. Even as you struggle, even as you strain and try, it will not always be possible to bring about reconciliation. But in Romans 12, Paul says, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. So I want to give you an opportunity there to say, have you taken some steps uh, towards making that move forward? And if you haven't, be honest and and own that too. So I'll give you a moment to, to jot them down. For each of these sections, I've got a little prayer at the bottom of the section. I'm going to ask us to pray our way through this passage as we go. And so can I ask you, I know it's probably a little bit unusual, but can I ask you to pray with me in the sermon uh, this prayer here? So let's pray together. Lord, as much is up to me, help me to live at peace with all. Where this is not currently possible, help me to start. Paul says the path to peace will start with having a concern for reconciliation. We'll go on to our next point. Uh, has anyone been camping recently? <laughs> Sorry, I'm shaking my head there. No, please, no. Don't, don't make me camp. Does, that, does anyone like this view, being inside the tent? 
Yes, I'm seeing some hands. Yes, we like it. Okay, there's something, I, I quite like being in my little cozy cocoon. I quite like being in a tent. It's, it's quite good fun. However, if you said, uh, look, the reason you should go camping is because everything will look yellow and you'll be wrapped in a small little envelope of, you know, nylon waterproof stuff, that wouldn't be a good reason to go, would it? Uh, we have a reason to go camping, but it's not about just being inside the tent. I want to read this passage from uh, Philippians here and then explain my analogy. Uh, verse 4 of chapter 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your, ev- let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Uh, Paul is encouraging the church to rejoice He's encouraging a church that has division to rejoice. Why don't we rejoice? I think it's because we're inside the tent of our own little set of circumstances. We can't think outside them. And what Paul says is, I want you to go outside and realize the reason you go camping, right? You go camping for the view. You go camping for the view. And so he says, come outside the tent of your circumstances and lift your eyes up and find in God something worthy of rejoicing. He's not saying forget about the the situation that you have. He's saying come out from under it and look up, finding God something worthy of rejoicing. And so rejoicing is on Paul's mind. And it's important to see that rejoicing, as I'm sure you're getting, we're almost finished the letter, it, it occurs in Philippians more than any of the other letters that Paul writes, rejoicing. Uh, But I want you to see how many times does he tell us to rejoice? The answer is here in verse 4. Yes, rejoice in the Lord always. And how many times does he command us in this passage? Twice. Why does he do it twice? I think he he commands us twice because some of us have tents that are very interesting on the inside. Okay? We have tents that are very interesting on the inside. So when he says rejoice, we go, actually, I'm pretty occupied in here already. That's all right. I don't need to come out and, and rejoice in the Lord. This is occupying me absolutely and completely. And he says, no, 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 come out. I want you to rejoice. I've commanded you to rejoice. And in case you missed it the first time, I'm going to tell you again, what do you need to do? Okay. It's important that we rejoice. But you might think, does that mean I need to be happy when I'm overwhelmed by anxiety? I want you to see that is not the case. Have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 8 to 2. Paul is uh, running through a list of the sufferings that he had un- he'd under- undertaken. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always what? Rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Paul is telling us that rejoicing is possible with sorrow and hardship. Its focus is God himself. And so I want to take you there on our form. We're going to look at this rejoicing part of the the thing here. And what I want you to do is find something. This is still true of God. He is what? So in the midst of my situation right now, come out from inside the tent, look at God and say, God, you are still something that is worthy of rejoicing. And if tonight you find yourself a little bit shy of saying, well, God, what? What actually do I rejoice in of yours? Have a look at Psalms 145 to 150. They basically are an instruction to say, here's why God is good. And I'll give you an example. 
God is good. In, in Psalm 146, it says, He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. I love this stuff. And if I don't read the Psalms, I forget about it. When I come to the Psalms, I'm told God is worthy of my praise. He, is, he created everything and He is always faithful. He's the God who redeemed us and brought us out of slavery. Is there something still that's true of God today, even in the midst of my anxiety, that I can rejoice in? Why don't you take a moment to write something down there? It's a funny little verse here, uh, verse 5. So we get the rejoice in the Lord, that's fine. Verse 5 seems odd. Have a look with me again at verse 5. It, it says here, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So hey, weren't, we talking about, weren't we talking about anxiety? What, why do I need to be talking about gentleness all of a sudden? Well, here's my experience. When, I, when I'm more anxious, I become more gracious and patient. When I'm more anxious, I find myself speaking in lovely ways to my wife and my kids. When I'm anxious, is anyone picking up the disjunction here? That's not what happens, is it? And I, I did it just before. Beautiful, I'm sorry. What happens when I'm anxious? I'm less gentle. I'm less gracious. There's less of a fuse. There's less grace in my life. And so I think it's perfectly appropriate that it says here that we're supposed to be gentle. And so I want you to think about, I'm asking for gentleness, especially where? Where do you especially need gentleness in your life at the moment? Can you think of somewhere? I see some nodding heads. Okay. I'll give you a chance to write it down, and then I'll tell you why it's good to talk to God. It's good to talk to God and ask him for gentleness in this place because gentleness is actually something he wants to work in your heart. It's actually one of the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We used to say patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can actually ask God for more gentleness and the work of his Holy Spirit will bring it about in you. So I want to say, God, sign me up for gentleness here in this specific place. Give me more of your gentleness. Let's pray this little prayer for this section together. Lord, forgive me where I've failed to see your glory and rejoice in it. Lord, grow the fruit of gentleness in me. Help me to see you afresh and reassure me of your presence. You see, he says there, the Lord is near. He is near to the anxious of heart. While you might feel desperately lonely in the midst of your anxiety, the scripture encourages you that the Lord is near. He comes on to this uh, next set of, uh, of verses, and uh, I love them. They're absolutely beautiful. Have a listen to me, uh, listen to me uh, verses 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What are we seeing here? This section's about requests. Uh, there's three phones, prayer, petition, 
with thanksgiving. Fantastic. This is, this is the bit where we're turning to God and, and requesting things of him. Why would we request things of God? You think to yourself, I'm anxious, I'm overburdened. God, why do you care? There's one or two people in the world, okay? Uh, I'm not even sure whether I should be as worried about these things as I am. Why would I be praying to you about them? Would you even care, God? I want you to hear these stunning words from Hebrews chapter 4. I absolutely love them. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Is there more beautiful scripture than that, hey? You feel, I can't approach God. Why would he have time for me? And the answer is, your prayers are welcomed by the grace of our mediator, Jesus. He makes it possible. He's the one who cares. He's the one who knows what it is to be human, and he welcomes your prayers. So here's time for honesty. Let's go to this request segment. And uh, this is where it'll make a difference or it won't, I think. Can you write down what you're actually anxious about? Can you write down what you're anxious about at the moment? The stats say that the main causes of stress in Australia are finances, health issues, family issues, trying to be healthier. I think that's somewhat hilarious. I'm working to be better and I'm anxious that I'm not. Anyway. And then health of loved ones. And they resonate very strongly, don't they? On the, uh, on the Headspace website, it says for uh, our young people, family issues, stress, new environments, hormonal changes, traumatic events, financial matters weigh heavily. What is it for you that you're anxious about at the moment? Take a, take a moment to write it down. Of course, Jesus has some practical wisdom for us, doesn't he? Uh, do you remember Jesus' words about worry? He says, uh, it was a wonderful rhetorical question. I want you to answer it at the end, okay? So I'm going to ask you Jesus' question. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The answer is? Okay. Okay, but just, just between the two of us, do you believe that? It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Jesus says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And we all know the answer is No. In fact, somewhat ironically, by worrying, what do the doctors tell us? We're taking hours off our lives. We're actually undoing the amount of time that we have. Here's the thing that I want you to do, and maybe it'll be the first time for you. When we're, when we're on the worry train, when we're in the hamster wheel of worry, it's turning around and around, yes? It's going around and around, spinning faster and faster, I want to ask you, do you ever turn your worry into prayer? Because while it's a worry cycle in your head, it just spins around and around, doesn't it? Do you know this? The idea of getting off it is to send the worry into prayer, turn it into prayer, make it a request to God, not just something that you endlessly obsess over. 
And so what I want to ask you, maybe for the first time tonight, is to write, what would your prayer be? If you could talk to the God of the universe and ask him about your worry, what would you ask him to do? And as some fuel for boldness, let me read you from Ephesians chapter 3, where it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. The God of the universe stands ready to hear you tonight through his son Jesus. What would you ask him about your anxiousness? I'll give you a moment to write a a prayer request there. Okay, that may or may not be easy to do. Here's something that's even more challenging. It says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so I want you to think about, in the midst of it all, what am I thankful for? My illustration for this is, um, I've been on a space theme, Uh, Apollo 13. Have you seen Apollo 13? Uh, In Apollo 13, the rocket blows up en route to the moon, okay? And they're basically spinning out of control in space, you know, 100,000 kilometers away from Earth. You'd be a little bit stressed there, right? On, on the ground, as the, uh, the spaceship goes bang, guys are looking at their control panels and they're just going, failure, 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 failure. And they start reading out all the failures. This is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And the mission control guy, here he is, uh, the mission control guy goes, okay, stop. Let's think about this from a different way. What have we got on this spaceship that works? brilliant. You can spend the whole time, you you guys can read the massive board of failures off and all that will do will spin out the time until these guys die with us just reading out things that are wrong. He says, what I want to know is what's good on this spaceship. And what I want to encourage you in the midst of absolute, the the, the stuff that we're talking about, the 316 in in the morning stuff, that stuff, okay, that, that's, it's chaotic. It, it can be overwhelming. And what I want to ask you is, what's good on this ship? What's still good on this ship? And for some of you, that'll be hard to do. What can I see? I, I want to say right now tonight, I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful there are brothers and sisters around you. What can you see that you can be thankful for? And there's encouragement from, uh, from 1 Thessalonians where it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. It's not for all circumstances, but see if you can see blessing from God yet still in the midst of where you are. Let's pray this little section together. Lord, I commit my fears and worries to you. Help me to develop the practice of turning my worries to petitions and prayer with thanksgiving. Grant me your peace. And that's awesome, but Paul wants one more thing to say to us on the pathway to peace. What he wants to do is he wants to point us to something that will fill us up, something that will occupy our minds, something that will be all-consuming for us that is good. 
What he wants to do is in verses 8 to 9. Have a look. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What he wants to do is encourage us to make a realignment in our minds, a realignment in our consumption, in our thought consumption. So we're going to go to this fourth column on my little sheet here, realignment. And I want you to think about where does your mind usually turn? Where does your mind usually turn to? When the screensaver comes up, you know, you're in a meeting where it's going a bit long. Where does your mind turn to? Jeff said he's happy to go to a blank place where absolutely nothing comes up. How do you, Jeff? For, for many of us, we might turn to a known past that we're unable to change and we obsess over. We might turn to an unknown future that hasn't been written yet, but we will let define us. We might turn to a selfish fantasy, something that we want for ourselves, either right or wrong, that we're fixated on. We might turn to a spiral of worry that starts with something that concerns us and before long ends with us doubting whether we're of any worth at all. Some of us will turn to plotting. Well, this happened, now I'm going to, and we're plotting and we're scheming. Some of us will just simply want to escape, and, and maybe, Jeff, your blank place is the, um, the place of escape. Some of you might fill in your escape place a little bit more, you know, draw a, a few more things, a palm tree and a beach or, or something like that. But I want you to think, where does your mind normally turn to? Where does it usually turn to? Just, just jot that down. Funnily enough, if, if you're in this anxiety state, it'll generally turn to something that's worrying you, I, I would think, but there we go. Okay, Paul then goes on and he tells us that he wants us to put something good in, but I wanted to do a step before that. The step before that is I'm choosing to stop filling my mind with. I'm choosing to stop filling my mind with. What, what, what are some of the things that I need to stop filling my mind with? And, um, and Karen and I sort of talked about this. We talked about, um, we started watching a show called House of Cards, which is incredibly smart. And uh, the, the lead character uh, is arrogant, cheating, adulterous, manipulative, powerful. And as I watched it, <laughs> I found myself going, oh, it, it's gripping, but it's actually not very helpful for me. I, I actually think if I'm immersing my thought world in the world of this guy, I'm not going to do a better job of leading at church. I'm not going to be doing a better job if I'm filling up on that. And maybe it's social media for you. Maybe it's the news cycle. What is, what is it? I want you to think of something right now that you can think of. What am I, putting, what am I pouring into my mind that actually isn't helping me be at peace. Can you think of something in this category? Why don't you jot it down? I think taking the step on the negative is good. Stop something bad coming in, right? But there's something more glorious, isn't there? Isn't Paul calling us to something, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So I want you to start, what are you going to fill it with? Now for me, 
If I'm going to go to the President of the United States, I want to go to the West Wing. It makes me, it makes me want to be a better man. Okay, so, so there it is. I want to go to the West Wing. And, and maybe I want to start listening to some podcasts that are helpful, godly input into my life. M- maybe instead of looking at Instagram, I'm going to look at my prayer app. I, what, what am I going to do that will be different inputs for me? One, one of the things I want to do some more of is reading Christian biographies. Has anyone read this one, Three Gates of Splendor? Carrie, you have. Long time ago. Can I encourage you, if you've never read Christian bi- biographies, okay, this is an absolutely glorious story. And when I read it, I, f- I end up thinking about myself as a Christian and going, I am a tiny little ant next to what God could do through me. And that's the power of Christian biography. And I want to encourage you, find stories of Christians and let them inform you, fill your mind up with what we could be and do. And there's this other book that might be all right to get in your head. It's all right. It's got some pretty edifying stuff in it. If we put some more of that in, I think we would be encouraged, is, is, all, I would, is all I would reflect to say. All right. There's a glorious, glorious God out there. There's a lot of junk that we often pull in. What if we filled ourselves more up on what is good? I'm convinced that will help us in the pathway to peace. Uh, let's pray this little prayer. We're almost there. Lord, help me to treasure what is best. Look with mercy on your servant and help me to know you and your peace. Guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus, your son. See, what we want to do tonight, guys, is, is we want to think about reconciliation being right as a family. We want to think about rejoicing. Remember, come out from under the tent and find in God something that is worthy of pouring out praise to him. We want to send our request, hop off the hamster wheel and send them to God. Make our request with thanksgiving to God. And we want a realignment. We want to be pouring in what's good and focusing on what's for our edification and upbuilding. And what's on offer is truly glorious. And so I want to ask you, do you know the God of peace and his gift of peace? Do you know the God of peace and his gift of peace? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what's presented in this passage here. Um, I am challenged. I'm sure people sitting here tonight are challenged. Lord, we long to know your peace, that it might guard our hearts from fear and our minds from worry and we pray father that we might have more of you the god of peace but we ask it in jesus name amen all right well that was uh that was two uh philippians two uh four two to nine um was it practical enough for you Hopefully that's helpful. Now, uh, it's entirely possible that I might have got some things a little bit confusing along the way uh, and that you might have questions to follow up with uh, from that. Has anyone got any questions uh, arising from what we looked at tonight? Things that are worthy of clarifying? Kara's got a question. Brilliant. Um, Kara, grab the mic. Um, that way we can hear you on the podcast. <laughs> just what I wanted. Yeah. Um, just at the end where it says, um, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In verse 7, yeah. Oh, sorry, verse 7. Um, what does it actually mean, he will guard your hearts and your minds? 
There's a wonderful picture I read in, um, in one of the commentaries which talks about uh, the heavenly garrison will take up residence around your heart and your mind. There'll be a sense in which God is standing guard for you, for your good. So where um, outside assaults from the world will come and try and knock you over, when it says your hearts and your minds, um, two different parts of you, uh, the heart is the, the seat of all your um, sense of self and your will, and the mind is where you do your thinking. What, what it's saying is God wants to guard the part of you which makes you uh, who you are. He wants to keep that safe, and he wants to guard your mind as well so that you're not overwhelmed. Uh, what does it mean in practice, uh, or what does it mean uh, in, in, in the letter here? In practice, what it means for me is when I'm afraid, I turn to God and ask him to guard my heart. When my mind is overwhelmed, I turn to him and I ask him to bring me stillness and quiet in my head. Uh, have I headed somewhere helpful for you there, Kara? Can I, Christ, Christ encourage you. I didn't put any personal testimony in there. This stuff is possible. You, you don't have to end with just that runaway train. It, it is possible to know God's peace, and I'm sure, yes, people have experienced this here. His peace is a gift. And so I'd encourage you to seek it from him. And I think we've seen the path to doing that, that here, uh, which is really encouraging because what's on offer is, is amazing. Is there a follow-up question? Someone else want to? Yeah, over here. Thanks, Michael. Yes, yeah, Stuart. Um, I suppose one thing that makes me anxious is there's other bits in the Bible that talks about rebuking people. Mm. And to rebuke them is actually a good thing. And if those same people are making you anxious. Sure. What's the interplay there? It's finding that balance yeah. can be yeah. a challenge. Thank you. Uh, look, the, the tragedy of, uh, of living this side of glory is that brokenness in Christian relationships is real. And I, I know that personally. Um, and what we want to be doing is taking our love for others to them in the best way we can. And where that results in brokenness and hurt, we want to be bringing that before our Lord. We want to be asking him to seek our mo- search our motives. And we also want to ask him to bring healing and restoration where that's possible. And as we live in the tension point and we find anxiety, which I think is your question, I think we submit the best of what we've done to God and ask him to provide us with his peace. Right? I'm an imperfect vessel, Lord. I'll have failed in many ways. Can you do what is best through my broken and failed efforts? And can you bring healing and wholeness? And uh, be, that, is, that is my prayer. And I, I hope it might be helpful in the situation you're talking about. Yeah, thanks, mate. Are there other questions? All right. That's good. Thank you. Um, I, I hope that you found it uh, helpful tonight. You might want to come back to this sheet. Uh, there is a, a, wonderful, uh, a wonderful set of things there for us uh, to consider. The, the next thing we do in our services, we uh, have a time for our Care and Connect cards. If you can pull them out, that'd be great. Not that you haven't done enough writing tonight, have you? Look at you. Um, what I want to encourage you to do, though, is if you're new with us, uh, you can fill in your name and details there. Uh, if you put down your email address, 
Uh, that will help us send you our newsletter so that we can tell you more than one thing that you should know. Uh, that'd be great. But I want to remind you that Michael and Jeff and I meet on a Monday morning to pray. And if there are things right now that you would value prayer for, can I ask you to write them down on the card? Um, you might say, uh, and we, we keep them confidential, you might say, look, the thing I'm worried about is this, and I'd love some extra reinforcements on the prayer front. So I'll give you a moment. You might like to fill in that, uh, that now, um, and then uh, we'll, we'll invite the band up and uh, finish with our last song.